It's time for OWC Radio, Tech Talk with Creatives, Conversations with host Serena Catania. Serena Catania. All right, Nick, we're on. I'm so excited. You are the CEO and founder of Grayscale Gorilla. You are a behemoth in the 3D space and uh, such an amazing creative and technical person. So I know that you're going to have a lot of advice for the people listening. But for those who might not know, can you tell us what Grayscale Gorilla is and how it has evolved over the years and who it's for? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, by the way. Yeah, Grayscale Gorilla is the one-stop place for Cinema 40 artists to get materials, training, lighting, and a bunch of plugins for making motion design, visual effects, visual 3D objects in Cinema 40. We try to help all of our customers make more beautiful renders using all of our tools. So it's a one-stop place to get everything you need to help make beautiful renders in Cinema 40. So it was uh, started 11 years ago, and we've been helping thousands of artists since then. Yeah, I heard you've had over 300,000 people take your classes and use your plugins. That's pretty awesome. I mean, Nick, you do have a reputation for being one of the top people in this space. So how did you go from being a creative to deciding that you really wanted to teach? What sort of rang that bell for you? A lot of my jobs revolved around teaching all the way back to my first job, showing how to do magic tricks to kids. And I was a kid myself back then, but I just always loved learning things and kind of showing the little tips and tricks on how to do it. Hey, learning how to play guitar isn't as hard as you think. Let me show you a couple chords. When I started learning motion design, I was a motion designer in Chicago working at Digital Kitchen. I was mostly an After Effects artist, compositor, a little bit of an animator, and just started being obsessed with 3D. Back then, 3D was very, very expensive to get into. It was very technical and it was super slow, right? The computers were way slower. GPU isn't what it is today. And all of a sudden, along came this program called Cinema 4D. And Cinema 4D made all this easier. It was more user-friendly, artist-friendly, and I was obsessed with this thing. So I started learning basic 3D, understanding how it works. I was lucky enough to work around some of the best 3D artists and 2D artists in the industry. And they kind of slowly taught me some of these tips and tricks on how to make this thing look good. It was really hard at the time to make 3D look good. I learned a lot of tips and tricks. And right around the same time, Vimeo and YouTube was also kind of new, right? That dates me, but... uh, (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't make us feel old. I know, right? (laughs) Whoa. And you know what? It's still changing. We'll get into that in a minute, but okay. The heyday of YouTube and Vimeo. (laughs) It took me a long time to figure out these tips and learn how to make stuff look good in 3D. And so I figured there's Vimeo and YouTube out there. Why don't I make a tutorial just like I've been doing for years with other parts of my life? Let me show you how to do this. I'm not an expert here, but as I learn, I wanted to share with everybody everything I knew about this crazy new world. And so that was the start of Grayscale Gorilla. That along with some of the tools that I started to make for myself. Once I realized that the real secret of making 3D look good was using realistic lighting that you would use in a studio in the real world, and also creating beautiful materials 
that are based on the real world and not just use the basic shiny stuff that's built in. Once I had learned those two things, I built an entire company around it, including training, materials, lighting, tools, wanted to bring all of that stuff to the 3D audience and to Cinema 4D audience. And so that was kind of the birth of Grayscale Gorilla. It became this huge community of other like-minded artists that just wanted to learn this stuff. If you've ever been out there and you looked at these beautiful visual effects, motion design, 3D animations, and you're like, how do you do that? That was really the only answer I was trying to solve. And I was trying to solve it and I'll give artists tools to do this in a fast way and charge more and learn faster and speed up their renders, all that stuff. So it became a huge community with thousands of people going through our training. And eventually now we have thousands of people who are doing this for a living, making motion design, making animations, making NFTs, making all this crazy stuff that 3D is around. And so, yeah, that's kind of the brief history of Grayscale Gorilla. And now today we're helping thousands of artists do this stuff for a living. And you must be so proud of it. Can everybody, I'm sure, ask you this, but where did the name come from? I've always been curious about that. It was originally a photo blog that I've had for years and years. You know, I thought at the time it was kind of a fun name. It still is a fun name. What I didn't realize is how dang long it is. <laughs> if I were to go back, you know, I may have picked a slightly shorter name. There's also like, many different ways to spell gray. I picked the European way. When I say gorilla, what kind of gorilla is it? It was the animal. <laughs> it can get a little confusing, but if anyone's interested out there, if you just search for Cinema 40 training, we'll pop up. You could do it that way. The name itself was nothing. It was back in the day when we would smash names together until something fun came out of it. And if the URL was open, you grabbed it. So I have maybe a hundred URLs from back in the day of just weird word combinations. Creamy orange was my first portfolio. I've got all these weird ones. And so this one just kind of made sense. It was grayscale. It was kind of this creative animal and it grew out of that. So, you know, I wish there was a better story for it. Maybe, maybe next time I'll make one up. No, I think that's a great story. I actually was wondering if it had anything to do with the grayscale cards that as a photographer, we use all the time. And I like, I like the name. I think it's cool. I'm going with your story. <laughs> That's way better. <laughs> but you know, I think you're smart to hang on to those URLs. I guess I used to buy them just because I wanted them back in the day when it first started. And I've actually let go of some that are worth a lot of money now, like nano.com. Oh my gosh. You got a four or five letters. Come on. I had nano.com, <laughs> among <laughs> others. Oh, my God. Well, I think that when you first started this training, you were also doing something looking into the future because people really need it. And now that we have the ability to do long distance learning, you're right in there and you're one of the pioneers of the space. So I've seen your demos at NAB. The Maxon booth at NAB is one of my favorite places to go. Me too. Isn't it such a great place to hang out? <laughs> I'm in awe of anyone that can do what you guys do, because I have to admit it to everybody listening. I am not a 3D artist. I know the names of things and I have no idea how to do it. I'm a good writer, producer, director. So I guess you put me in the filmmaker category, but we need great 3D artists. So let's talk a little bit about what is plus and what's new with plus? And now you can talk to the geeks and I'll just sit here and it'll go right over my head. Oh gosh. Well, <laughs> the quote geeks are even making better stuff than I could ever do it. That's kind of the best part about our customers is seeing all the crazy stuff that they make. And it's 
way better than anything I can make on my own. We just focus now on giving tools and training and HDRIs and all the little pieces around a 3D world that helps make it better and more beautiful so that everybody can work faster. So when it comes to talking directly to the artists out there, I would just say, if you've been learning 3D or been interested in it, you know that there's a lot to it and it can be intimidating at first. I'll first speak to the beginners. If you're new to 3D, come join our absolutely free Grayscale Gorilla Intro to Cinema 4D training. That's the one we've helped hundreds of thousands of people learn this stuff. And we try to break it down in an easy way. But once you start to learn how to make this stuff animate, move, and make it look really beautiful, which is what we concentrate on, you realize, man, if you want to do it all from scratch, it takes a long time. So that's like building beautiful photoreal materials, creating your own HDRIs, creating your own light studio setups creating your own animations from scratch every time with keyframes. And every time we bump into those things as a company, we look at it and say, how can we make this stuff faster? How can we help you work faster in production? How can we help an artist make changes quicker when their boss or their client is asking for last minute changes? We try to build things that help that part of it. And above everything, we try to make it very drag and drop, very easy to use. Our materials, for example, there's thousands of materials now included in Grayscale Gorilla Plus, which I'll get to in a second. But essentially, if you're an artist in 3D, we want to give you the ultimate toolkit that allows you to drag and drop materials, set up your lights with just a click. And so you can not only get beautiful results fast, but also experiment with different looks. And this is something very important, no matter what creative space you're in. The ability to try something completely different to see, I wonder if this is better if it's a little bit darker and backlit. I wonder if it's a little bit better if it looks like it's in a brightly lit studio, or maybe it should be more moody if it's down in some darker place. We allow artists to easily switch between these things so that they can make a creative decision and they can appease their boss or their client who's sitting behind them. The ultimate client is like, I'll know it when I see it, right? We all have met that client. And we want to give our artists the ability to kind of go through things too and be like, what about this one? What about this look? So Plus is our membership service where you get everything we got. Up until a couple of years ago, we sold everything a la carte separately. If you wanted a piece of training of ours, it would cost around 300 bucks. If you wanted a plugin of ours, one of our lighting plugins would cost, you know, in the $150, $200 range. All the pricing was pretty reasonable, but if you added it up and you got a few of our things, even four, five, six of them, it got really prohibitively expensive. And we were coming out with new stuff all the time. So we wanted to make it super easy, super affordable for artists to just have access to our entire library, especially for things like lighting and materials where you don't always need a cloth material, let's say. It's maybe not a day-to-day -day thing unless you work in the cloth industry, you know? But when you need it, we wanted everybody to have access to everything. So we made Plus. So Plus is our membership where you get everything we got and it's compatible with all the major renderers. So you can sit there and get your work done and not have to start from scratch all the time. So we released that. We've been building it over the last couple of years, but we really released it this year. It's finally all in Plus and it's super affordable. You can go learn about it on our site if you're a 3D artist, especially if you're in Cinema 4D. Well, you know what? I would actually recommend people who aren't in the business, but create people who are making films to go to your site, because I think it'll help them understand the language of the artists that they're working with. 
I learned a lot rummaging around in there. There's some pretty amazing things in there. Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I got excited. <laughs> That's a good idea because you said you do production and you're on that side of things. You're like, a lot of people don't know even what's possible now. And so if you even go to our site and learn about Cinema 4D, learn about 3D, you'll start to see what's even possible. What's really great about the industry right now is all of these renders, all these beautiful images you would see on our site used to only be possible at a giant studio. And it would be very expensive. You would need hundreds of computers to sit around and render this stuff. And now the stuff you're seeing is being produced in bedroom, frankly, because we're all working in bedrooms for the last well, year. Right now, my studio is in my third bedroom. That's, exactly. You know, it's been retrofitted. <laughs> With a decent computer, you can now get work that you couldn't even fathom five years ago. So that's really the revolution with 3D and why it's exploding. It is becoming easier to use thanks to programs like Cinema 4D and our tools. It's easier to learn because people like Grayscale Gorilla and, and other people in the industry are willing to share what they've learned over the years. And it's faster than ever to get beautiful results. You get photo real results in days. And some of this stuff used to take weeks to get done, even months to render this stuff. So there's really a 3D revolution happening, and it's so exciting right now. Yeah, it really is. So I am curious because you started out being the primary person that was doing all this, and now over the years, it's expanded so much. I noticed that you have some really awesome teachers that are also involved in this. Beeple, for one, did some renders for you for one of the tutorials. I love his work. I've been following him for years and then you have Chad Ashley and Kamal Kazri teaching Autodesk, Arnold, right? Yep. And you've got David Ariu teaching Octane. So you've got some great people involved. Can you help us visualize some of the scenes that maybe you might be using in those tutorials and what's being taught with using what's offered on Plus? For example, what's new in Cinema 4D and what kind of scenes are you using in those tutorials? Yeah, Absolutely. Training's very important to what we do and how we got started. And it's still a big part of our community and what we do. So let's take David Aryev's training, for example. He teaches an intro to Octane course. I think we call it getting started with Octane. So Octane is a third-party renderer, which really is the engine that makes the final render. When you look at the, all the shiny objects on the screen, a renderer is doing all that. And Octane's one of the most beautiful, one of the fastest ones right now. So David, who's an incredible Octane artist, we were lucky enough to have him show us how to learn Octane without taking an entire week to do it. What I love about our trainers and what we do here is we boil it down to the stuff that you can learn in a weekend that really gets to the point of what makes this stuff look good. Because we could dig into every button and what it does and where it came from and what weird time you might use all of this stuff. And there's time for that kind of training. But what we focus on is, oh my gosh, I have to learn this program in a weekend and I need to make some beautiful results at the end of it. It's exactly what David pulled off in this training. We also have training for Octane and Arnold exactly for that reason. So our philosophy is you can get into exactly what all the buttons do. You can get into what all the sliders do and why they're there. But really, if you're an artist out there trying to make something beautiful, we want to give you the why answer. 
because the more you ask why as an artist, the more you're going to be able to recreate different looks and pull more out of the training rather than just what each slider does. Let me take a quick example. In David's training, he goes in and he shows you, hey, I'm going to show you how to use Octane, but not with every slider. Today, we're going to build this amazing scene where you're on a planet and there's a big moon close by and there's this nice light glow coming off the surface of this planet. We're going to show you how to make all the dirt and everything. Now there's a reason to teach you all of these things. And it's not just here's what the glow button does. Here's how to make stuff look like dirt. We now have a whole scene we're showing you from front to back. And David does an incredible job. And all of our trainers do a great job starting from scratch, which is a big part of our training as well. I don't want to start halfway through and pull the cake out of the oven already baked. We want to show you how to really build this stuff from scratch. So that's what we focus on inside of Plus. There's over 500 hours of training that whether you're just getting started or you're new to third-party rendering, or you really just want quick tips to help you pull off that next look, we got all the training in the world in there for artists doing that stuff. No, I think the why is really important because that's how the assignment's going to come down, right? You're going to get handed either a script or you're going to have a director saying, this is what I see, which I'm guilty of. And then (laughs) I'm sorry, but I am. You know, things are a little bit different now. If you're working in the big studio environment, you really have a supervisor that you can work with. And then that person deals with the artist. During the pandemic, especially, things have changed. And a lot of us are working on smaller projects or independent films, and we don't have $200 million a year to spend on movies, right? So on my side, I have to learn how to speak the language efficiently enough to really get the artist excited. You're teaching the artists how to translate what's in my head and turn it into something wonderful. Exactly. That's a good way to put it because I think a lot of artists, especially if you approach it in a technical way, are going to use technical terms that the producer, the director, the scriptwriter would never use, right? So an HDRI or Fresnel shader or Octane and all that stuff. The production side of things, they don't care about all that stuff, right? They have a story to tell. And whether it's a commercial or a visual effects spot or any visual medium, there's going to be some sort of uh, story to tell or emotion to put in the viewer's head that the producer director needs to get done. And so it really is up to the artist to be a translator and to say, what are you going for here? Is this supposed to be fun and bubbly and look like an infomercial or is this going to be moody and slow and dark and mysterious. If we were on set, would you pump fog on the set or would you make this the most crystal clean set ever? Asking those questions as a 3D artist, you can actually speak the language of just design and art and maybe photography is a better language to use and then translate it into all the technical stuff that only you have to worry about as the artist. That's really the mission, right? That's the mission of some of the best freelancers and artists out there can not just sit on their own and make beautiful stuff, because there's a lot of those for sure. But the ones that will continue to get work and be able to be a freelancer and work with some amazing clients are the ones that can either translate on their own or have a team that they work with that helps that translation process. Yeah, because at that point, they become almost like a co-director. They're working with the creative side of things, but they're also dealing with budgets and 
and all of that, which is not something we're really going to cover here, but at some point it all has to translate into what can you do? This is what we see. What can you do? How are you going to do it? And then you work with that person. And if you can dance together, I think it's always that moment when you're working with another creative person that's helping you take what's in your mind and turn it into something wonderful if you can dance together and you really see things the same way. So those questions you're suggesting are really important because you have to talk about that. Absolutely. And there are technical limitations, right? So on the other side, when the client says, we need a a thousand aliens marching down a a red carpet, that's potentially a, a completely different and more expensive shot than we just need the feeling that something's coming closer, right? It really is that dance of, of saying what's possible with the budget and the time that we have. And really, what are you going for here? What's the motion you're trying to put in the other viewers' heads? And if it's like, we need to make something that somebody will buy, for example, like a beautiful shoe spinning around or a product shot or something like that. Okay, well, now we're in the zone here. And what should the viewer watching this three second to one minute spot, what emotion should they have? Fear of missing out that they don't own it, a sense of bigger mission, the way that Nike would do something like it's not about the shoe, it's about the mission. Those are the discussions that if you could have as a freelancer, not only will you get paid more because you could actually have those conversations, but it will let you work more creatively and not just think of your environment just as a bunch of tools to get something done, but as a creative way to Like you said, work with the client and dance with them to create something new. Years ago, the images were, I don't know what the right word would be, but it's simplified. Today, we get into things like textures. And I mean, there's so much detail in what you're teaching people how to do. I was rummaging through the site and I was looking at things like uh, there's a whole line of tutorials about cars and about crust. And I looked at that and I went, that's wonderful because years ago we couldn't do it in that kind of detail. So it's really exciting for my side of things. And it's got to be, even though it's really hard work, it's got to be really rewarding for you guys. So like working with metal and working with neon and then all the different surface applications that you can do. So that's pretty exciting. You have all those courses there. Yeah. So we we definitely have some courses, but a lot of those that you're mentioning too are material collections and lighting so that. When you need neon, for example, as an artist, we just want to have it there so you could drag it into your scene. You know, when your client's like, can you make this sign a neon? We'll give you the alphabet to make it and let you drag in the neon and get more than halfway there just by clicking and bringing it into the scene rather than having to learn from scratch how to make all this stuff. And so those are those things that we're seeing in the trends, you know, neon's having a trend right now photo real dirty materials and metals are having a huge moment right now. A lot of clients are asking for it. And that's really what we provide too, is looking out into today and into the future and saying, what trends are coming down the road? What are clients asking for? And then putting that stuff directly on your computer so that you could drag it in when your client's asking for it and really let the artist focus on the more unique stuff when it comes to their everyday work. And when the client, when you need a metal material or or neon, just like you said, we want to have it there so you can get started right away. Yeah. I've got all kinds of images going through my head, just talking to you. This is very exciting. Well, that's the good and bad of 3D, right? (laughs) Like you can make anything. 
You can make absolutely anything. And I think that's one of the struggles too, when it comes to production is you can do anything in 3D. It's what's so fascinating about it. If you want a big cantina scene with glasses and chairs and and tables and bricks and neon sign and lights coming down and aliens walking around, every one of those things, you either need to buy a model of, create from scratch, add materials to, add lighting to, add practical lighting to, how much atmosphere is in the scene. You get a lot of things for free when you pull out a nice camera and put lights in a studio, right? The world takes care of a lot of making it look good. In 3D, you have to do it from scratch every time. And so that's where we approach trying to build our tools, finding the things that you do every day that you don't necessarily always need to do from scratch. We want to be there to, to, to solve that as well. Can you take real footage and then work with it and turn it into something that's a little bit different? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. There's one scene and it's just going through my head talking to you. An opening scene where you have shots of boots in Afghanistan military. These are military men. They're walking through the dirt and there's dust coming up and they walk through and they go through the building and then the bomb goes off. Now I can use stock footage for that. It'll look great, but I'm thinking that if I could work with an artist, we could do something to enhance that and make it even more dynamic and more emotional, right? Yeah, absolutely. So just like with other visual effects, you could shoot uh, a plate or use stock footage to start with and enhance it. Sky's the limit. Do you want to zoom into the bottom of their boot and see in super high res detail, every little scratch on it? You could do that in 3D. Do you want to recreate an explosion and have a building fall apart? You can absolutely overlay footage and effects and glows and 3D parts and 2D parts. What used to be, you know, an animator's job, they would know like one program, they would know After Effects really well. Or if you were a 3D artist, you would know Maya really well. And now we're living in this world where freelancers kind of need to know a little bit of everything to pull off shots, just like what you're saying, where we want to zoom in. And then the 2D says this, maybe a word pops up. We hear those pitches all the time. And the more that you could say yes to those things, and like you said, dance with them, work with them to create the vision of it, the more you're going to get the call as a freelancer, or the more you might be hired at a bigger studio. So absolutely. That is the curse and the blessing of 3D. Almost anything is possible. Well, the curse (laughs) and the blessing of production. (laughs) That's right. Aren't we starting with the blank page? You're creating something and then you take it all the way through. It's magic. The whole process is magic. And that's why after all these years, I still love it. So do you have any success stories that come to mind when you think about some of the students that you had? You know, I get to meet a lot of our students at events like NAB and Seagraph, like you said, hanging out at the Maxon booth. Some of my favorite stories are students that walk up to me and they'll tell me their story where they were in either a job they didn't like, or they thought they wanted to, I don't know, be a lawyer. For example, I could think of that example specifically. And they're like, man, I thought I wanted to do this one thing. And then I knew something was off. And then I discovered Grayscale Gorilla and your training and saw what was possible. A lot of them always had this creative streak in them. And they tell the story of how they spent all weekend and many weekends. It takes more than one weekend to learn all this learning all this stuff, watching all of our videos and learning this stuff from scratch. And now they're actually in the industry. They're doing TV commercials. They're doing special effects shots. They're out in LA. And those stories make me so happy. 
whenever I hear those, because that was my story. I didn't quite know what I wanted right out of college. It took me a little bit longer to discover After Effects and motion design and visual effects and 3D. And so I personally love those stories. And then, of course, there's the artists that I look up to, that I've watched them grow into giant digital artists over the last 10 years. Beeple's a good example. Knowing him, meeting him, what a great guy, the hardest working guy in 3D, putting out work every day. And the fact that he's having the success he's having, and he uses our lighting stuff. That stuff gets me so excited. So all the way from the high-end digital artist to the kid just starting right now, there's somebody out there starting their journey that has a 3D spark in their head, and they're watching our intro to Cinema 40, and they're going to become the next whatever, whatever their name is. I love every story like that because to me, my passion is making sure that people love what they do for a living. It's always been a passion of mine. It's what I speak about when I'm not talking about 3D, I'm talking about how to build a career around things that you love. And so when I hear any story where they maybe took a, a small turn in their career path and they finally decided to jump in and spend the week learning something and it turned out well for them, and now they're able to provide right and make a living and mostly do what they love, those stories warm my heart every time. That's a dream come true, isn't it? It's amazing. Nick, those listening can't see it, but just so that you guys know, uh, Nick and I are Zooming because it's I like watching people and talking to them when I can see them. He is surrounded by musical instruments. I see a keyboard. I see guitars. What is all that, Nick? <laughs> it's something for my hand to do, you know, while I'm on calls. It helps. Music was my, I say it like as my first love. The thing I've always been obsessed about, whether it's going to shows, playing music, I grew up with music surrounding me. My parents, I grew up in a roller rink, frankly, with just loud, amazing 70s music playing. And so from an early age, I really got into playing piano, playing drums, playing guitar. And really, it informs a lot of what I do today. So a lot of my animations when I got it started in this industry was around timing animation to music. Even today, I get so many ideas just learning piano. So when we all got stuck in our house a year ago, I decided I've been tinkering with piano for years. I'm going to sit down and finally learn some boogie woogie piano type of piano that is a little bit harder than the regular old chords. And I started learning online and I, I started learning so many things I was that I started writing down for my own business. It's like, oh, I loved how they taught that in such a really beautiful, simple way. There's always that moment when you look at something and you're like, I'll never be able to do that, right? I'll never be able to play boogie-woogie piano that fast, let's say. And this teacher taught me how to play it and learn it. And then within a week, I was playing that thing that I was never imagined I could do. And it reminded me of my favorite teachers. It reminded me of my favorite teachers in life, including my parents, a couple of my high school teachers who stopped teaching what was in the book and realized that there was a better way to do it and a faster way to connect with an audience. And so I just surround myself with music because it makes me happy and I can grab it, noodle around with it. And I think like a lot of people, you have a thought in your head, you need something else to do to kind of think through it. So I'll just sit behind and play some random chords and, and practice a little bit. But music's just such a major part of my life. I have to try to keep this stuff around me, keep me sane, you know? That's awesome. You know, whenever I work with, a new editor, 
I use music a lot to talk about the tone and the style and the pacing. And even before we start cutting, we'll talk about that. And I find that people who like the same kind of music or who can resonate with what I'm talking about are going to really be good editors on my project. Absolutely. And it's awesome. My favorite editors have such a great sense of music. In fact, our editor, Mike, I've worked with him in different parts of my career for over 10 years now. He's got such a unique music taste, you know, and it comes across. It comes across in the editing. And you could also talk the language of music with editors. And I'm so glad to use the word dance because I'll start dancing when I'm explaining <laughs> things. Like, you know, it goes and then it goes and then it kind of pops up. You know, there's a huge tie, obviously, from editing to music, from animation to music. To me, music's everything. It's the universal language. It can tell a story. It could make you happy in two minutes. It can make you cry in two minutes. It's just an amazing art form. And it's what drew me into motion design and After Effects and 3D in the first place, because you could actually mash all this stuff together into a visual language with music and it was such an eye-opener to me when I was like, oh, this is exactly what I need to do yeah. <laughs> for my life right now. Isn't it great when you're doing what you love? I mean, there's nothing better. It's the best. Yeah. Like I said, it, it's been my obsession as much as 3D is that pursuit of what I call it is mostly what you like to do every day. Everything's work. There's always down days. There's always bummer days. There's always bad clients. There's always tech issues. There's always things. It's work, right? But if you can mostly do what you like to do for three out of the five days during the week, and you can take a break on the weekend and hang out and not sit on a Sunday and dread your next day, what a gift you gave yourself, your family, you. And now that we live in this place where you don't even necessarily need to commute to do that, oh my goodness, we just unlocked the second part of this, which is many people are going to decide not to have to go sit in traffic for two hours a day either. Yeah, the latest research, I believe, is showing that approximately 68% of the workers who are working from home who would normally be in their office have decided that if there's any way they want to keep working remote. I also think it's brought us closer to our families. You know, it's really nice to be able to have more time with the family. It's been great. My wife and I have been kind of enjoying this time together. We have this two-year-old dog that we just fall in love with more Aww. every day. And it is, it's a very different type of feeling to stay at home and to uh, do that. So I think a lot of artists are going to have that. And, and we're at the early stage of this with technology, with computers, with distributed rendering, with distributed work, we're going to see a revolution of how stuff gets done. And it's not going to be only in big studios in major cities. Uh, you're going to see amazing work come out of, I call it bedrooms, but we don't even need to call them bedrooms anymore. I'm in an actual office. We could turn it into a bedroom <laughs> if you wanted to, but I'm in my office. I kind of like it. It's full of musical instruments. <laughs> That's right. I slowly added stuff to it when I knew I'd be here for another few months. <laughs> it all just points to this revolution of not just 3D, which is our world, but computer work, creative work. A lot of jobs are looking more and more like what we're doing right now sitting with headphones in front of a computer. And that is a lot of people's work as they go. And 
if you're into that stuff, if you're creative, if you like to build stuff, what a beautiful way to, to build your career around that. I want to ask you a question. There's a lot of talk and Philip Hodgetts actually is writing a huge article on AI. Ben, so I've been talking with him a lot about it. How do you feel about AI and what it's doing to help your artists or do you see it as a potential danger in some ways? I mean, I have my opinion about it. I'm just curious about how you feel. I'm not great at predicting the future and where all this stuff's heading. If I'm lucky, I could look six months out, but I think technology could always look scary at first. So even when books were invented, people were scared. When cars were invented, everyone thought we're all going to die because it's way more dangerous. When any new piece of technology is first around, they thought the Walkman would keep teenagers from talking to anybody ever, ever again. And we all know that whenever a new giant piece of technology comes in, there are some jobs that go away. And there's often, more often than not, thousands of jobs that spring up in its place. Computers are the biggest example. Computers, the phone in our pocket got rid of 100 devices that people used to buy separately. But it also allows for even more productivity, even more production. You're able to take a photo with your phone that you literally could not even take that quality of photo 15 years ago, let's say. So to me, I try not to be scared of new technology. A lot of people are scared about AI replacing a lot of creative work. I don't see that happening. But again, AI does have some scary parts to it. So deep fake is getting pretty scary right now. That's the ability to put somebody else's face on another character. There's been a Tom Cruise one that's been going around lately. That is really good. And that's going to bring us to a, a scary place when it comes to truth in politics and truth in the world. And who did that person really say that? I can see that getting a little scary. That's the political side of this that I, I'm not very well versed in. In general, I think tools and new technology allow artists to do more full stop. That's my take on new technology. So AI is going to be no different. The lines are also hard to say what's AI and what's not, but programmatically being able to make creative decisions and maybe allow the computer to make some of the creative decisions for you is already happening. And so to me, it's just going to allow for more work and more creative solutions. And when you just need to get the job done, sometimes it's going to allow you to get stuff done faster as well. That's where technology fits in to all of this for me. I don't think there's anything to be worried about with AI. We'll see what the robots do in 10 years, but I think we're good for now. <laughs> I think a lot of new jobs are going to be created. I mean, thinking of one that, and I don't know the name of it, but it can recreate crowds. And I've worked on several movies where there was a Jean-Claude Van Damme film where we needed 1,500 people in a stadium. And on Stargated, we needed thousands of people on the sand, dunes behind Kurt Russell. And that particular kind of technology that can create that using plugins and designs is only going to give more people work. So I'm enthusiastic about it. The same technology that creates deep fake helps us on the dialogue side because you don't have to franken cut things so it can morph between two scenes and do it seamlessly and it looks beautiful it sounds beautiful so there's a positive side to that too yeah well said technology always has both sides and everything's technology everything that wasn't here a million years ago is technology 
a bicycle at one time was called technology. These are just tools. They're just tools and they come around and some are more useful than others. Some are giant shifts in the world, like this computer sitting in front of me, the ability for us to have this call over satellites and internet, whatever is happening behind the scenes. There's huge, giant parts of technology, and it's mostly been used for good. And so that's been the way I've been seeing it. I just can't wait to see what people make with all this crazy stuff. I have to tell you, just rummaging through your site, it just lit up my creativity. So I'm thinking about scenes a little bit differently than I was. And that's exciting. So you're teaching people great skills. If somebody wants to start, where should they go? Great skill grill is hard to spell. If you type in Cinema 4D training, we'll be the first site that's not an ad. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. If you're just getting started, if you're interested in actually learning Cinema 4D, we have a free intro course. You could sign up, just type intro to Cinema 4D, we'll pop up and you could sign up there and go from there. We also have a YouTube channel. Even if you don't want to start signing up to anything, go to YouTube, search 3D Cinema 4D, start to learn this stuff. Start to see what's possible if you're interested in it. And like you said, if you're working on the other side of it in the production side, well, you're the producer or you just don't know what's possible, you might want to go look at some of the reels of what's somebody like Chad Ashley and David Aryev and people and uh, these amazing artists that are out there are able to pull off with one or two machines in a room. I think it might open everybody's eyes to really like what's possible. Well, I think there's a great future ahead for the creative side of Cinema 4D and that whole industry. And I really appreciate everything you're doing to teach people who really want to get into making their dreams come true. It's very exciting. And it's exciting for me on the other side to know that you have this whole army of designers that are going to come out doing things better than they were when they started. Not only all the customers and everything, but our team, I have to give a shout out to the Grayscale Gorilla team because they've been just rocking it for the last couple of years in particular, especially with everything else going on in the world. We have a really strong team right now helping artists all around the world by creating these material collections, plugins, and all this stuff. So I have to give a shout out to the Grayscale Gorilla team. They've been absolutely on fire lately, using it, sending us renders right away. Like, look at all this stuff I made. That's really what we really geek out on as well. You mentioned the metals collection, a ton of beautiful metal materials, neon materials, a neon alphabet that lets you build your own neon sign, essentially. We have the new crust surface imperfections that adds realistic imperfections to your materials. We also have a new HDRI lighting scene that is specifically designed to light things like rings and product renders, anything shiny and metal. It's actually lighting that is specifically made for that stuff. If you're a Plus member, you just get all of it, which is really fun. So people just go download and start using this stuff in their renders right away. So it's been really cool to see all that stuff. I have to thank you so much for spending time with me. You've enlightened me. You have inspired me as you do many hundreds of thousands of others. He's Nick Campbell, CEO of Grayscale Gorilla. I'm Serena Catania with OWC Radio. And remember what I tell you guys every time, get up off your chairs and go do something wonderful today. Maybe check out Cinema 4D. (laughs) You guys have a great day. Thanks for listening. And we will talk again soon. This is Serena Catania signing out. 